1: Our next guest requested to be on the show, and in reflection, there's no coincidence here that we were destined to meet. The Reverend Dr. Marcia Ledford is a practical theologian and Episcopal priest, native to Detroit, Michigan. She worked as a civil rights attorney for over 30 years prior to her ordination. She encourages progressive Christians to exercise their First Amendment guarantees Calling for a more compassionate approach to our social crises in discrimination, exploitation, and equality. Marcia also fought for the civil rights of those in the LGBTIQ community as an openly lesbian woman. I found my time with Marcia fascinating and learned we had so much in common as we both are on a mission for change. Welcome Marcia to the Ethical Evolution.
0: Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
1: And uh, I am super stoked to have you here. Now, you're coming to us all the way from Michigan, USA.
0: Uh, That's correct.
1: Can you uh, tell us about you and your background and who you are?
0: Well, um, I was born and raised here in the state of Michigan. My dad worked for general motors. Uh, As many of you know, Detroit is home to the uh, big three American automakers. And uh, so I had a a good upbringing and the opportunity for education and all of that good stuff. Um, I met my wife of nearly 40 years at college and we came out at a time when it was not easy. And so I took that experience and I wove it into my law practice. So I was representing the Detroit area LGBT community uh, back in the day when it wasn't cool. Um, And I was telling Bindi before the show, it allowed me to develop what's called in Christian theology, the wounded healer. In other words, you take your adversity and you find a way to be a healing presence somewhere else. And so after many years practicing uh, civil rights law, I decided to pursue ordination in the Episcopal Church, which is part of the Worldwide Anglican Communion. And uh, uh, I did a ministry in southwest Detroit where our Latino populations are. Uh, largely gathered, and I was just appalled by what I was seeing being done to folks because of our immigration laws. So I decided to go back to uh, school and formally study political theology, and uh, that's what I'm doing now. I founded Political Theology Matters, and I'm writing, speaking, teaching, preaching about the importance of Progressive Christians being vocal in the public square for greater social justice. So
1: and there um, you have it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, as we were saying off air, like, um, you know, uh, you, you're a bit of a unicorn like me. Uh, you know, uh, we, we do a bit of everything. And, yeah. um, you know, w- you and I uh, have so much in common, which we've just learned. Um, Obviously, uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a reverend, I uh, have worked in law, but, um, you know, I, I also have come out uh, gay uh, 25 years ago, um, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, also am uh, one for social change, so, um you know as as we start to unravel here there's there's so much that um, we're aligning with here which i think is absolutely beautiful and you know a lot of people who might be listening to this podcast obviously can't see you but you know you've, you you have the whole uh, the, the Reverend, uh, white, uh, collar, collar. happening, <laughs> which, the um, God collar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got the God collar happening, which, uh, you know, and also here's one for you. Here's another one. Um, you know, I was, uh, christened and, uh, baptized Anglican as well, uh, uh-huh. here in Australia. So, um, christened baptized same thing um confirmed is the other word i was looking for um mm-hmm. so i went through all of that as well so i completely understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from and and the alignment right. to you know how very close that is to to catholic religion as well
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, um, liturgically we're very, very yeah, similar
1: very very similar um so, I mean, God, you have, I shouldn't say that, should I?
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> then people, people then get all nervous and they Ooh, think they can't swear shouldn't, either. should uh, well, believe me.
1: Yeah, no, we're free to <laughs> do that here. Can I just say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to ask you though, Marsha, um, if you could wrap it up in a bow, what is your mission? Uh,
0: my mission is to, encourage people to speak out against injustice. Mm -hmm. um, And not necessarily just at a protest. Uh, That's not everybody's thing. And so we'll get into that a little bit more. But I want to equip and encourage people to speak their faith in the public square for greater social justice. And sometimes in in the United States, there's a very important concept called the separation of church and state. It's an ideal. It's not actually written in the Constitution. Um, and people will accuse me of wanting to establish a, a progressive form of Christianity as a supreme religion in the United States. And I don't. And that's not why the First Amendment was created. It was created to create a forum for us all to speak our minds without retaliation. Because in Europe and whatnot, you know, there was a time when you spoke against the king and got your tongue cut out. So Mm. the First Amendment was like nothing the world had really ever seen before. And it gave us a platform for all of us to get involved, not just one or two voices, which we have a little bit of a problem with that right now in the United States.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, you must have um, encountered so much in your years um, through all of the work that you've done and all that you've experienced Can you tell us about some of the people that you've helped along the way?
0: Oh, my. (laughs) Um, I wasn't expecting that question, so (laughs) I will uh, think about that for a minute. When AIDS broke out, Mm. of course, uh, Lynn and I were young in our coming out experience, too, and we had a lot of gay male friends and started losing them, Mm. and that was uh, just incredibly hard. Um I had a friend Todd who was also a young attorney in his mid-20s and we lost him and he was so talented and just fabulous and it was just it was just heartrending. Mm. So um I'm in you know in the US we have something called Social Security, which are benefits for people who are reach retirement age or can't work because they have a disability. And I was able to get the first disability rights for a man with AIDS in late stage. Um, it was the first time that it ever happened. And so I, that was one where I just felt so good about that because not only did it help him and he didn't live very long after that, uh, but it gave him some ratification as a human being because, uh, we, gay men were not being treated like that, uh, particularly. And so that was the first thing. And then it created a precedent which would help other people with AIDS get some uh, additional help, social Social security benefits. So I'm especially proud of that one. Um, I've helped a lot of uh, lesbian and gay parents either retain custody or retain visiting rights. Uh, there was a time when Uh, Fitness to parent was automatically in question Mm. when somebody came out and particularly it it hurt gay men because because of AIDS and because uh, there's often this presumption that if a man is gay, he's also a pedophile, which Mm. is completely wrong. Pedophiles are pedophiles, Mm. um, regardless of, you know, male to female or Mm. female to female or whatever. So um there were several of those instances and i felt really uh lucky about that um <clears throat> uh, is that good? <laughs> I want to go on and on. You, you know,
1: listening to you uh, describe that, um, it reminds me of you know an era gone by if if I can show my age too. Um, you know, I I think in today's age um, there there's a a sector of our community and I'm, I'm talking LGBTQI community who. <sighs> have no knowledge or understanding of the pain Mm -hmm. and the suffering that our forefathers went through. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the whole AIDS epidemic, um, that -hmm. in itself, the fear that was underneath that Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. suffering that people went through and, and just the, even before that, you know like the 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 laws in different places, how just just being gay was illegal, you know like mm-hmm. they have no con- they have no concept that that actually mm-hmm. is a thing in certain places and 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 you know it's I don't know, I, know I, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I think in in some of the younger generations of LGBT community, they kind of think it's it's almost like a badge of honor. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. they don't understand that all the people that have come before them and all the fights they've had to fight to get Mm -hmm. to where they are and have the freedoms they have today.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's absolutely true. I mean, Linda and I were together 32 years before we were able to legally marry.
2: Mm.
0: You know, we'll be be married, um, legally married seven years in June. You know, I mean. Congratulations. Con-
1: can I just say <laughs> congratulations? That's that's incredible. Oh, that's a very, very long time. And look, you know, what? you know, we can do the stats, you know, yeah, as, oh, as yeah. long as you like. And mm-hmm. same sex couples are together a lot longer than, than, than hetero couples. Can I just mm-hmm. say, like that is an yeah, actual oh, stat. In,
0: in many instances. Mm. Yeah. I think in some way, well, Do you think, too, part of that is because we just have to fight harder? Well, yes, it means so much more. To have, we just have to fight harder to make a home. We don't, you know, when you don't plug into the system, you have to figure out a way either around it or through it or under it or over it, whatever, uh, to protect yourselves legally, Mm. to, uh, uh, to be able to. Uh, adopt children you know has been unheard of uh there's there's lots and lots of things Uh, there are a thousand benefits that are near to the marriage license
1: and you know i guess for someone like you who's who's had a background in law oh my god it must frustrate the hell out of you
0: (laughs) Well it uh, it has it certainly has. I mean, life is better now that we had our Supreme Court decision in
2: 2013.
0: Mm. Uh, you know the our US Supreme Court said that you have a constitutional right to marry. Mm. So and there are forces at work that want to try and uh, you know undo that decision. yeah. And so we're not out of the water. Since Trump has been president, there has been a real blatant attempt to strip away a lot of our hard-won rights in in the LGBTQ community. And I do think that since, uh, since lesbian and gays w- won the right to marry, uh, we've seen a shift in the scapegoating mm-hmm. that goes on over to the trans community. And Mm. right now they are really under fire and we have to do whatever we can to help them because um, that happens, you know, Uh, and typically here abortion has been the big lightning rod Mm. and uh, the scapegoating and the shaming and all all the things that go along with it. Um, And I I would say that uh, the, the Episcopal church Teaches that while there's a tragic dimension to every abortion, we uh, uh, unequivocally agree that women need to have safe, proper reproductive health care. But that whole moral, that whole sense of morality, that has been part of the pulse, the uh, underlying pulse of uh, Protestant Protestant Protestantism in the United States. Um, has fed into this idea that uh, it's okay to vilify a certain group in order to have this high-minded sense of morality. And even you know had a movement that Jerry Falwell senior started called the moral majority, which in my opinion was neither.
1: Mm. So And oh, gosh, the, I, I'm just sitting here listening to you, there's a million questions I could ask you. And you know with with your background in religion, um my gosh you know you would have seen as well um the the bigotry that sometimes comes with that you know the the the, the beliefs that are enforced upon people that are not their own right
0: um i'm going to talk a little bit about the founding of our country Mm -hmm. if if it's okay Mm -hmm. um you know we had slavery established for probably a century, almost a century before our declaration of independence in 1776. So slavery and the denigration of the black and brown body has just always been a part of our national Mm. consciousness. And when the country was founded, uh, another thing that was going on was this uh, sense of, Free white men, limited government, and this moral compass that I just referred to. So there was this very um, controlling triumvirate that very much is in existence today. And I would say particularly within people who support Trump.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, This idea of white uh, superiority, white privilege, um, getting the government out of regulating um, uh, or preventing discrimination, except, of course, where a woman's choice uh, is involved. To, um, and then this idea that somehow the moral compass fell in the hands of this group of folks who are overwhelmingly evangelical Protestants today. Uh, and they are allowed to dictate uh, what's right and wrong in the country, what's, what's ethical, and that's a that's a real problem. We have a lot of work to do, to educate and uh, eradicate these attitudes because they're they're hurting us. Um, it, yeah. it could kill our democracy if we don't get it under control.
1: Mm. And look, look, Marsha, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this, but it really I don't know fires me up that a, a government or a, um, a voting public can make a decision about whether you and I could marry or mm-hmm. whether a woman can make a choice about uh, her own pregnancy. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Like here we went through um, a public vote on whether same-sex people could marry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, how do you feel about the public or the government Making that decision for you.
0: Well, uh, you know, I ask any heterosexual person to put him or herself in our shoes mm. and and think about how on the day we had a a, covenant, a life covenant ceremony mm. in 1992, and uh, the papers got a hold of it, and it was under the auspices of our bishop in Southeast Michigan. Uh, He knew about it, and he said, yeah, you can do it. Uh, And the papers got a hold of it, and it was a circus. Uh, The church, where it was going to happen, was getting threats. Our guests were being uh, threatened. Um, We ended up uh, reviving an old church tradition of a pew card because uh, in older churches, the pews are numbered. Mm. And so we issued pew cards with numbers on them. And if you didn't have a card... You you weren't getting the, going to get in the door. Yeah, and the Triangle Foundation, um, which is a, a, a um, LGBTQ plus rights group here, uh, hired bodyguards for us. They were the two biggest men I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> the one guy stood and just literally fl- framed the door, except that his head went above. <laughs> Uh, anyway so imagine having to do that for your wedding that's incredible imagine being put in a position where maybe you have to cancel it or you have to reschedule it because it's too dangerous for people to participate so we eventually um, put it out in the news that we changed the date time and venue which we didn't uh, and it, it worked out fine. We were going to cancel. And Linda's dad said to us, don't let them chase you around. Let people decide for themselves if they want to come. And if you let them do this to you, it'll, it'll live with you for the rest of your lives. And I don't want to see that happen. Mm. So we did it. And it was a marvelous party, let me tell you. And uh, er- everything ended up working out okay. Okay but we went through a whole lot. So yeah, it bothers me. And it, it I, I will say this, <clears throat> I would rather see our courts interpret the constitution with respect to equal protection and say, yes, uh, you're being discriminated against uh, unfairly and you have the right to marry versus having the populace vote. I don't think the population should ever vote on who gets rights and who doesn't. Although I respect the fact that you voted on it and it passed, but what happens when people vote on it and it doesn't pass? Yeah. And what sort of hegemony does that create? What Mm. sort of um, uh, sense of superiority and inferiority does that create? So, Now, I'm an attorney and I love the Constitution. So, of course, I would rather see the Constitution interpreted in in such a way that uh, rights are expanded for everybody as often as possible. Um, But it did make me very angry over the years that we had this loving, caring, stable relationship and we could not protect ourselves legally. Mm. So we did the next best thing. You know, we made sure we had wills and we had uh, springing financial powers of attorney, meaning they, they don't come into effect unless you're disabled. Mm.
2: Uh,
0: we have, uh, patient advocate designations that handle the medical part. We had all that stuff, um, in lieu of a marriage license that created next of kin status as best we could. So.
1: Yeah. And I guess, uh, that's probably the difference between you know the us and here is that uh, the the population got to vote on on, on our choice um, mm-hmm. which i think annoyed me the most
0: and you know but the voting
1: yeah yeah um because voting on
0: whether you're good enough
1: yeah yeah exactly and yeah. you know to to see people within our community um actually you know, even wearing shirts that say "Yes to Vote," yes, mm-hmm. um, that's one thing. But you know, just like just like for you guys in the states with the recent elections, you know, you got your red and your blue. Um, it's 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 exactly the same on a, on an agenda mm-hmm. like this because you know um, there will be sectors of the community who don't believe in this and they will vote no, and yes. it doesn't matter what the result is. They're they're, they're not going to treat you any different.
0: No, and uh, they'll feel even more smug about it too. Yeah. So that you know, there's that. In uh, when Brown versus the Board of Education was decided in 1954, that was the decision to des- desegregate the schools. Mm. Okay, so that was a that was a huge decision here because of our legacy of slavery,
2: mm.
0: uh, lynching, Reconstruction era lynching, and uh, discrimination, economic exploitation this was the big one. Uh, when we were uh, arguing about whether our children could go to school together, black and white, I think what a lot of people don't know even here is that that decision was decided unanimously.
2: Oh my God.
0: The right way, nine to nothing to desegregate our schools. Um, I think that that is so much more powerful when our uh, justices interpret the constitution uh, and determine that equal protection is being violated Mm. because they are supposed to be neutral and independent magistrates. If you were, they're supposed to look at the law, the face of the law and not whether they're pastor or, Somebody else is uh, telling people every week that, you know, LGBT people are the devil's minions. Um, we have to have some sense of neutrality and, um, you know, evaluate what's really going on without all of these other factors coming into play. And that's what happens when you have a referendum on an issue like this. Mm. So I don't think civil rights should ever be voted on. They always should be constitutionally interpreted and identified.
1: Oh my gosh, I absolutely agree with you on that. Like, <laughs> you know, I've been at the 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 brunt end of that one. So uh, yeah, I of could course. I could not yeah. not agree more.
0: It has a t- it inf- infantilizes mm. LGBT people too. Like yeah, we, you know, we can't uh, make these decisions for ourselves, which is ridiculous.
1: Mm. And yeah. you know, whilst I saw a lot of people um, around me who you know identified as LGBTQ um, uh, uh, celebrating the result, which in the end was marginally a yes, um, I, I wasn't celebrating because i mm-hmm. I felt I like I, st- mm-hmm. I felt like I still had no say. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, it, it it felt wrong for me.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, I understand. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to harp on about that one anymore.
0: <laughs> but, There's plenty to harp on oh, about it, believe me.
1: Gosh, yeah, you could go on, couldn't you? Um, but I'm keen to know, Marsha, like, you know, you wear so many hats and your God collar. Um, <laughs> what's been the biggest challenge for you and how have you overcome it?
0: The biggest challenge for me in my life or in this uh, mission? Both. Uh oh. <laughs> um, for the mission, it's just finding enough time in the day to get everything done. I'm trying to scale this up uh, slowly. Um, right now, it's not uh, something where I'm able to make a living doing it. Mm. Um, and I say that only because the work is important enough to me that if that turns out to be the case, I'm still going to do it. Mm. Um, but it would be, uh, it would be nice to be able to, um, have some revenue from it so that I can hire more people to help me.
2: Mm. That's,
0: that's really my, my big, uh, challenge. There's, as far as I know, nobody out there doing this, um, you know, at least in the States. And, uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's important. It's exciting. Uh, I really love what I'm doing. It's the perfect confluence of all my uh, skills, work experience, passion, uh, sense of call, all of those things. Uh, But I just, uh, I need more hours in the day. (laughs) I I hate you.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I I would say, um, I would say that's been the biggest challenge.
1: Yeah, oh, and I also share that challenge, you know, and I think all unicorns do, you know, like we're trying, <laughs> to, trying to achieve so many things in a day and uh, there's only so many hours, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm really looking forward to this answer because, you know, with your background in, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, religion and, and law and uh, uh, all the things that you do, can you define for me what being ethical means to you?
0: Ethical for me is a sense of profound uh, justice, profound fairness. Um, One of the litmus tests that I've always sort of followed in terms of my ethics is um, if you don't want people to find out about it later, something you're doing, then don't do it because it's not ethical (laughs) Yeah, because we're all raised with that sense of right and wrong. And, you know, the news is full of people who steer off that path, even though they know what they're doing is wrong, but they just keep doing it. Yeah. And so I I think that's a pretty simple way. I mean, it's what we teach our kindergartners and Mm it, you know, it actually works. Uh, we start teaching them what's right and wrong from when they're little, when we're all little. And for the most part, I think what what we teach as right and wrong is correct. It's just a question of uh, following it.
1: Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it's that uh, that old uh, if and doubt don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you do it in the dark and you do not want it brought out <laughs> in the light, then don't do it at all
1: oh gosh i love that answer you know like and i i absolutely love that question because there's no wrong answer and you know whatever your perception of ethical is and um you know what stems from it there's there's no wrong answer because it's it's really just um your opinion and i love it absolutely love it um so um, what are you working on at the moment? I mean, obviously you've got so much going on and there's not enough hours in the day. What's happening?
0: Uh, we're in the process right now of uh, uh, developing some courses to help people learn about what public theology is or political theology. You'll hear it called both things. It's the same thing. I define political theology for the average lay person um, as speaking faithfully in the public square for social justice.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So speaking faithfully and mind you, this is not just Christianity. This is, you know, whatever your faith tradition is speaking, that faith tradition with uh, authenticity in the public. And that can mean a lot of different things. We'll go into that in a minute uh, for greater social justice in our policies and laws And then there's a fourth prong um, to as large an audience as you can access. Mm. So I live in Southeast Michigan. We have the largest Muslim slash Arab population in the world outside of the Middle East. Wow. We have a very large and active Jewish community here. And so the Abrahamic faiths, Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, are very present and very active here. And so I would be doing the, them a disservice if I didn't you know, include them in my mission. And of course, uh, we have a lot of commonality from the Old Testament. So um, we also have Jains and Hindus and Sikhs and you know, Buddhists, you name it, we've got it here in Southeast Michigan. So it's the world's religions all have some form of the golden rule that we call in Christianity called do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, and we can use that as a foundation. We can build coalitions just on that alone. Um hum, you know that's uh, humanism is uh basically the embodiment of just taking care of each other, mm. respecting each other. So uh For the first part of that, speaking faithfully from your tradition. Um, And then the second part is in the public square. And that could be a lot of places. It could be uh, on a podcast like we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. It could be on the radio or on television in in an interview in that format. It could be speaking at the local park. It could be addressing uh, a committee uh, in the halls of Congress or at the city hall. It could be any number of things, writing an op-ed in the newspaper. So there's lots of different ways for us to get our message out. And then, of course, we want to talk about issues of injustice and talk about why they're unjust and then how to fix them. Um, John Stuart Mill, who lived in the 1800s, said that um, in open debate shall you arrive at the truth. And that's what the First Amendment is all about. It's providing an opportunity for many different perspectives to join publicly to discuss the issues of the day in order to find the best course of action. So it's not that I'm saying, you know, we always have to do what the progressive Christians say. Um, So, you know, conservative Christians have a right to speak as well. And uh, we, we need to work out issues uh, together versus the polarity that we have right now, which in the United States, I think is probably the worst that I can remember as an adult.
1: Wow. Yeah. And again, you know, like just, just listening to you talk there. Wow. I can relate. Um, you know, as we were discussing off air, um, you know, I've, um, taken a, a bit of a different tact in my career to be more of a spiritual coach. And as part of, uh, my training, um, one of the things that we delved into was spiritual philosophy. And, um, You know, like when you're you're coaching anyone, you can't be biased in your beliefs Mm -hmm. um, and you need to support all schools of thought. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing. Um, You know, most uh, ministers um, would be, you know, segregated to whatever their beliefs and their religion is. Mm -hmm. But you're being very open and inclusive um, to all beliefs and schools of thought. And that's exactly what we need.
0: Well, it's uh, it, it's definitely what we need here because we are becoming more and more pluralistic.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, it's been an overwhelmingly Protestant country for many years. I would argue we, that we even actually had a theocracy, even though the First Amendment prohibits that. Um, <clears throat> And so, as we become more diverse religiously, we we have to find a way to talk to each other mm. so that's that's how I see it. There's a lot of folks who would ag- disagree with me and feel very threatened by that mm. uh, you know and so that that's part of our big problem, I think, yeah, and Christianity in the United States right now is very, very divided
1: mm. yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, as, as we evolve and, and, and time goes on, um, people's beliefs and thought systems do change and do shift um, to be more holistic. Um, mm. And, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's got to evolve like all other systems in, in life. Mm-hmm. And yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it, it is more far-reaching than we ever thought. And um, mm-hmm. i I got to commend you on, on the, you know, the perspective that you're taking with it because I think that's the stuff that actually makes true change.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, um, Marsha, I have to ask you, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go to find yeah. out more?
0: Sure. Um, uh, they can check out my website, which is called Political Theology politicaltheologymatters.com. Um, and there's information about me and there's information about the mission and you can learn more about what I'm doing. Um, right now we're developing courses. I think I mentioned that earlier uh, to help people learn about political theology and how they can go about doing it. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping to well, I have a book coming out at the end of the year uh, and you'll be able to get more information on that as we get closer to setting an actual date. Um So, and you can email me at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, Marsha at myptm.com, M-I-P-T-M dot com.
1: (laughs) Now, I'm not surprised to hear that you've got a book coming. That's, that's no surprise at all. And, um, Uh, you know, and and no disrespect to you, um, you know, you, you, you are um, a reverend, a doctor, probably an attorney as well um mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it all happening you're, you're a unicorn too um so um by all means whilst i've been calling you marcia i'm just been trying to simplify things for myself here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no please do that's fine
1: um but before we go i have the big question for you
0: oh okay are you ready <laughs> uh, i i'm as ready as i'm gonna be i think at eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning
1: yeah it's still early there for you it's late here for me yeah Uh, what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life?
0: Holy moly.
1: Big question, right?
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll I'll speak to my corner of the vineyard because that's what I know best. And that is uh, we have got to come to grips with racism in the United States. Um that we have other isms too that we seem to be very good at Mm. Um, sexism and homophobia. And, you know, you name it, we're, uh, we're pretty good at it because we're good at scapegoating groups. Mm. And so I I would say our big challenge is to really uh, live out, you know, the uh, declaration of independence and, you know, the right, to pursue life and liberty um, for everybody, instead of it just typically being white people, mm. um, that's what we got to do.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess from an outsider here in Australia, um, you know we we look at we look at America and we go, oh, you know, they're all about liberty and freedom and all these kind of things, but there's so much <sighs> hate and segregation and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know like how does that happen in a, in a country that's so powerful and so large and so so developed you know
0: well it, it's like I said earlier it's been there since the beginning mm. you know and then we move westward and we decimated indigenous persons and um there's just been this sense of white exceptionalism that basically justified, we used it to justify so much of our history mm. um, and we need to stop doing that.
1: And, you know, like from your experience, I mean, you know, in, in law, um, have you seen a degradation, you know, in, in the way things are?
0: You mean do I think it's getting worse? Yeah. Uh, When Trump took office, I think you can draw a line of demarcation between when uh, we knew that to be blatantly racist or to be openly racist was unacceptable. And uh, he erased that line
2: Mm.
0: and made it um, not only okay, but it became a badge of honor or courage or whatever. Uh, for people of a certain white supremacy ideology to uh, become very vocal and very, at times, quite violent. Um, And so I have seen that, yes. I think that our society is far worse than it was because Trump gave uh, people who believe they're superior because of their color uh, permission to just act deplorably. Mm. Um, I think people ask me, and this is kind of the way they phrase it, they, "You know, have we jumped the constitutional guardrails here? Yeah. And I would say that we were on our way over the rails uh, when the election happened. And yeah. then had Trump won, uh, I would have... You know, I would have been very, very concerned on January 6th when the Capitol was stormed. Yeah. um, I believe that that was an instance where the tires were over the rail, at least, you know, one side of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it was an attempt to stop a constitutionally mandated action. Yeah. Take take away all the, you know, all the photos and all the other stuff that went around it, all the emotion and everything the president invited folks to go and stop the final senatorial count, which is the last step prior to the inauguration of the new president. So there's been a degradation socially in terms of how we talk and act about race and how we treat each other. Um, There's been a, a, a greater sense of entitlement to violence And there has been uh, the development of this idea that we can overturn the Constitution. Mm. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are getting us back on the path in between the guardrails. But I'll tell you that we are still quite vulnerable to this Mm. uh, based on what happens in the 2022 elections.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of damage to overcome, isn't there? Like...
0: There's a lot of damage and we could lose both chambers of the House, Mm. of the Congress. I mean, uh, that will be a real problem because they're not going to be able to get anything done. Right now, we have a very slim majority because Vice President Harris can break ties in the Senate. So we're going to, you know, we got our stimulus package through without one supporting Republican vote, which is outrageous, Mm. given How 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 much the American people are hurting in the pandemic, and all over the world. But Mm. I mean, they have a responsibility to look after their citizens, and they weren't doing. They're not doing it. They don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Trump has still got power. I don't know how long that's going to (sighs) last. So, you know we we are in a very fragile predicament right now. Mm. Very fragile. We're we're on the right path, but we've got to be very careful. And we and Americans have to be vigilant. We cannot sit on our hands uh, for this next election. We got to get out there and uh, talk about why it's important to re pro, to protect our democracy.
1: Yeah, and you know, like uh, you know, I, I don't know how it, it feels to you guys there in America, but here in Australia, like we it reverberates. You know, we we feel it here too, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in the news. It's it's like it's happening here. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the latest news headlines, uh, you mm-hmm. know, particularly when the, the election was going on. And I remember, you know, we were waiting on the decision and we were watching all the states light up with the different colours. And, you know, we learnt so much during that process. Mm-hmm. And it was like we were also impacted by that decision, which we are, you know, yeah. as far as trade and all those kind of mm-hmm. things go. Of course, um, we're, yeah. we're as part of it, and it comes back to my thing I always say, is that what I do today impacts your tomorrow.
0: We're all mm-hmm. in the same place, you know. We're all in the same boat, mm. and the pandemic has really taught us that. Absolutely. You know? um, and it's taught us about how fragile life is yeah. too. Yeah. And that we all have a responsibility not only to ourselves but to one another mm-hmm. to to do the right thing, to be ethical, to yeah. get the vaccine.
1: Yeah. Well yeah. I've got to ask you, Marcia, have you had your jab yet?
0: Yeah. I've had the first one and I get the uh the second one on Friday.
1: Right. Well so I've
0: blocked the weekend off in case I um, he <laughs> <You> feels sick <laughs> get zapped so <laughs> yeah, it hasn't quite
1: reached uh, my level yet here, so uh still waiting but uh, you know uh-huh. we're we're doing pretty well here, so that's good.
0: Good, very good yeah and- um, I I don't want to think about what this would be like if Trump had been reelected re- <sighs> re- because uh, you know he just did not care about the pandemic basically. No. And and pretended that it wasn't actually happening. So a lot more Americans died than needed to. Absolutely. And so we broke a record the other day. We had four million vaccinations in one day.
1: That's incredible. We're trying to get one yeah. million by the end of the week, and people yeah. are freaking uh, you, out about that. You will.
0: That. <laughs> you, will. <laughs> you will. Well, he started. Biden said, I, "I want, I want a million a day" when he first took office. And of course, now they've got the system in place, mm. the distribution system, and the manufacturers are ramping up their production. So uh, I just think he's done a marvelous job getting the uh, VAx out to the peeps, because, we, we, you know there's 300 million of us. So. Mm.
1: Yeah, we well, have a much larger population than us, so, and we're mm-hmm. so, so far away. <laughs> well, Marsha, thank you so much being a part of the ethical evolution this has been absolutely incredible thank you so much
0: i'm i'm delighted to have been here and thank you so much i love what you're doing i think your show is important um i think your show is about you know getting back to drawing that through line of right and wrong Mm. and um we don't we seem to be gravitating away from that and so when you have your shows you're helping us all remember that that's an important thing to do. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution
1: Podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker, or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate.